Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, welcome to March. And that's right, this is March. The madness is now upon us. And after a year hiatus, the West Virginia Mountaineers are back in the NCAA tournament. Bob Huggins back in the NCAA tournament. I am Mike Oste, and this is WV Sports Now. And this is our 2023 men's NCAA tournament preview show, as we're going to preview the Mountaineers' first-round matchup with my guest team that he covers, George Gerbo, joining me as he covers Maryland for the Washington Times. And West Virginia has that 8-9 matchup with the Maryland Terrapins, a quasi-rivalry between the two schools. Maybe not so much basketball-wise, but nonetheless, an interesting, intriguing matchup for West Virginia to start things off. And then the winner of this will get the number one overall seed in Alabama and maybe a tough road on the floor and then probably some drama and questions they have to answer off the floor as well but before we get there we're going to talk what you can expect from maryland for any west virginia fans maybe that don't follow maryland like my guest who i will tell you is a west virginia alum as well as covering maryland so he might be the guy who followed both of these two programs but if you're not we will learn about maryland through george so George, thanks for uh, jumping aboard Absolutely. here. Maryland, get, Maryland gets in the NCAA tournament as well. Obviously a big deal for Maryland. And they were kind of a team that, unlike West Virginia, because I got to tell you, as you can imagine, covering the Mountaineers, it feels like it's been seven seasons. So mm-hmm. beginning of the year, West Virginia started off hot, non-conference play, playing well. Really the games they lost in that 10-2 and, 10 and two stretch were against tournament teams now, top three seeds, Xavier, Purdue. Purdue snagged a number one ranking later on. They looked like they were going to reboot from a year ago. They got a whole new roster. They were going to be fine. You get into conference play, 0 for 5. Looks like the wheels are falling off. Fans are upset. It looks like it's going to be like last year despite a different roster. And they fight, scratch, and claw in, I think we all can agree, the toughest conference in the country and get in thanks to them help from some computer rankings and everything else, and also a hot end to the season, winning three out of their last four and almost beating Kansas and then winning a tournament game. Conversely, Maryland kind of started off where it looked like, okay, maybe a surprise to the country. This is going to be a really good Maryland team. They're probably going to make a tournament. They started stacking wins in a Big Ten, which is still a good conference. And once you got to a certain level, it was like, okay, they're going to make the tournament because they have so many wins. But then the reverse of West Virginia, they kind of slid towards the end of the season, finished fifth in the Big Ten in 21 and 12 overall. So not that much different, not that much better than West Virginia's overall record, despite a better beginning to their conference play. So paint the picture for us of the Maryland story deeper than how I just gave it to you on how this team got into the NCAA tournament, how they're an eight seed and you know, kind of the roller coaster ride that has been Maryland as well. Yeah, I think people at some point, maybe when the season is over, Maryland fans and people will kind of write 
the retrospective just about about just how far this team has come. I, I tried to do it after the, the Purdue game, which right. was their biggest win of the season. Purdue was a number one seed the previous week. Northwestern had upset them at home. And then uh, they came into College Park and Maryland had upset them uh, And they, when they were a three seed. And of course, they're they're on the one line uh, in, in this tournament. But the th- this is a team that we're talking Mark Turgeon less, you know, December of last year. So, you know, 15 months or whatever. I say quit on this team, mutually separate, mutually agreed to separate from the university. Mark Turgeon quit on this team, on, on his team. Okay. And. It just kind of was a rudderless ship for most of the season, helmed by Danny Manning, who was the interim coach at that point. You remember him as an NBA player. You remember him, Danny the Miracles at Kansas. Mark Turgeon was a teammate of his at Kansas. Danny was a head coach at Wake Forest uh, prior to um, prior to coming to Maryland, and he, with utmost professionalism, guided this team through a, a little bit of a listless season. And there were some high moments here and there where they won, you know, okay, but it was it, it was unfortunately kind of a lost season for Maryland. And so they go into this exact time last year, and after Seton Hall loses their game uh, in, in the NCAA tournament, they, Kevin Willard is their target. I was covering the NCAAs in Pittsburgh last year, and the rumors were starting because that was the first weekend right. uh, of, of the tournament. And, you know, Seton Hall lost that first weekend, and – Okay, I think Maryland's targeting Willard. And so they bring him in, and there's a whole bunch of names bandied about. Mike, and it's funny, two of the names bandied about are ones we're talking about now this year, Mike, in Mike Bray, who is a Namatha Catholic grad uh, in um, Hyattsville, Maryland, just down the road from College Park, just down the road from Maryland's campus. Uh, would he want to come back and 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 lead the the Terps? Uh, and also Rick Pitino, whose name just kind of comes up because people can't get enough of Rick Pitino after you know thirty plus years hey, of being in coaching. Hey, I already dropped the dark horse run. I I, I got Pitino win a couple games here in, in okay. my bracket. Yeah, I like I, fighting Iona with Rick Pitino. You never you never could know what he's going to do in March. And so they go and 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 Willard said it. Uh, Kevin Willard said it this this week. You know, I guess I made Damon look good. Damon Evans, Maryland's athletic director, um, and he's come in and steadied the ship and. This is a, a program and a fan base that had been uh, disconnected from each other over the last couple of years at the end of Mark Turgeon's tenure. In 2020, they win the Big Ten regular, they win a share of the Big Ten regular season championship. They lose some games at the end of the year that could have given them a, uh, the, the title solely, yeah. kind of like this year, where they could have won some road games that would have given them a better seed in the Big Ten tournament. And of course, that season never we never get to see the NCAA's because of, of COVID 19. So this season, Kevin Willard he brings in local guys. Um, to as part of his assistance and and reemphasizes and refocuses on the DMV. And if you're from DC or Maryland, you know how much it means to people. Mike Lockley's trying to do it in football. Kevin Worler yeah. wants to do it in basketball about keeping those guys home because every Hunter Dickinson in Michigan, he's a DMV guy. Uh, Caleb Williams, who just won the Heisman at USC in football, he's why, a DMV guy. Why do you th- to go back to West Virginia? Why do you think they hired Dermar Johnson? Mm-hmm. I know it was controversial on how they kind of ousted Larry Harrison. That goes how it feels like a six-year-long season because he had been there so long. They replaced him with younger blood, no matter what you think of that move. And they do it with somebody with that D.C. connection for that that recruiting base. They're trying to compete with Maryland and those schools to get those kids by, by yeah. using him, who's a legend to that area, yep. as you know. Correct, correct. Um, and so, you know, this was a team that was picked 10th out of 14 teams in the big 10 uh, heading into the season and 
Kevin Willard out the gate goes 8-0 in his first eight games. That includes beating uh, Miami, who was a co-champion in the ACC and the number one seed in the ACC tournament. St. Louis, which was a good win. That was it, uh, uh, away at a tournament up at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Um, they beat Illinois, who was ranked 16th at the, uh, 16th at the time. And so start off 8-0 yeah. like that. Um, they have struggled and, and it probably be highlighted by Mountaineer fans everywhere. Uh, how much Maryland has struggled on the road. They are two and nine on the road this season. The two road wins are not pretty was at yeah, well, Louisville. Well, so has West who, Virginia though, to be fair. Well, well I, I, West Virginia's got way better. Road. Yeah. We got, we got at Louisville who won four games this year and at Minnesota, okay. who was the right. worst or next to last team in the, in the big 10 tournament. So uh, they, they did. They did go, including their time in Chicago at the Big Ten. They are three and two in neutral site games. So if you're a Terps fan, you want to kind of emphasize that neutral site. They they played Tennessee. Tennessee was ranked seventh at the time. They played them at the Barclays Center. That's the second straight year Maryland's gone up in December to play in Brooklyn. They beat Florida up there last year after Turgeon had had quit, and now the this season they lost by three to Tennessee up there, and they also played. Um, in uh, Uncasville, the Uncasville tournament, which were those two games were neutral site, beating St. Louis and Miami. So, and, and the one game they won last week, the Big Ten, before they lost to Indiana. So, bad away from home, bad on the road at home, 16 and one, 16 and one this season at home. The only loss to UCLA, who is a two seed in this NCAA tournament. UCLA smoked them uh, 87 to 60, but they knocked off Purdue. They knocked off Ohio State, who uh, was ranked at one point. They knocked off Indiana, a ranked team at home, only meeting of the season. They knocked off Northwestern, who was a ranked team at home, who finished second uh, in, in the final Big Ten uh, regular season standing. So tremendous. They played tremendous at home. Xfinity Center kind of got back to how Maryland fans would have remembered it. Uh, when the building opened, when Gary Williams was still coach in the early part of the Turgeon days, uh, they sold out the building multiple times this year. That hadn't happened in four or five years. So uh, the magic is back in, in College Park for for to be certain about it. When you have questions, it's about how this team performs away from home. And, and I think Kevin Willard kind of admitted it last week uh, in Chicago. Uh, you know, Jameer Young struggled in, in their first game. They still won. Uh, and Dante Scott was the guy who who stepped the veteran presence of, of Dante Scott, who's been there as a senior now for four years, uh, stepped up and scored 16 points in the first half in, in their win uh, over Minnesota and beat him again in the Big Ten tournaments. They beat him three times this season. Um, but it's you hope that the, the bright lights and kind of the stage don't get to him because you've got Jameer Young, local kid, again, DeMatha, um, got him to transfer back home and play. Uh, after playing his time, uh, previous time at Charlotte, uh, Don Carey, Upper Marlboro native, transferred back home, came and played. Those are your two guards. Um, Julian Reese in his second year from Baltimore, another local kid, uh, is your is your center forward. And uh, the two senior leaders, Dante Scott and, and Hakeem Hart, kind of round out Maryland's starting five. So um, you, you exp- I expect to see a guy like Dante uh, who I consider the heart of the team. Jameer Young is the engine that makes this team go offensively, and they play a very up-tempo style that Kevin Willard instituted here that wasn't the case under uh, Mark Turgeon. But uh, Dante Scott is this team's heart. Uh, he's, he's this team's soul, um, in my opinion. And so when when Maryland needs a pick-me-up, it may not be, he may have a, you know, zero points or one point on his score line, but he does a lot on both ends of the floor, especially defensively and kind of as the, I would say the emotional leader of this Maryland team. 
George Gerbo joining me here. George covers Maryland for the Washington Times, West Virginia Sports Now. It is West Virginia and Maryland 8-9 matchup in Birmingham in the 2023 NCAA tournament. So like West Virginia, Maryland had to rebound from adversity and from maybe seasons that they didn't really desire and kind of rebuild the roster and kind of get here on maybe a roller coaster ride of a season as well, both doing it from major conferences. This at least for the fan base, not for obviously these players, maybe Huggins a little bit too, uh, maybe revenge chance for, for Maryland fans 2015. They did meet in the NCAA tournament back then, West Virginia with Press Virginia winning it by 10 in that game pretty comfortably. So we'll see what happens here in this one. Now, as you mentioned, this was a team that maybe didn't have expectations entering the season in Maryland, then started out hot. You're then getting into having to play on the road, which caused Maryland to struggle. Obviously, this is not going to be home cooking for Maryland. So it's new. It's not in West Virginia. It's neutral site. We'll see how that goes. But it's a Maryland team that ended up as an eight seed, despite finishing with over 20 victories, despite having a Big Ten that did have normal staples like a Michigan having a really down year, even Ohio State. They're not like they are in football, but they're still usually good. They were totally off the map, despite having a run through the Big Ten tournament. And the Big Ten was what nobody would predict. Penn State almost won the conference tournament, for crying out loud, losing it by a basket. And Purdue, look right now, looks like a team that maybe could make a Final Four run. But they've also looked vulnerable at times. So this isn't really your Big Ten of old either. It's hard to gauge because in the transfer era, these rosters are are ever-changing. But how did this Maryland season meet your expectations you covered this team for a few years now entering this season knowing things were going to be different knowing the coaching staff knowing the roster was going to be different it's hard to know but what were you thinking beginning of the year and then how did you feel as the season unraveled was it almost because it felt like just from watching afar and even following some maryland fans that they didn't expect anything early they then were getting disappointed with how things were unfolding and Unlike West Virginia, who had to fight their way off the bubble to get in, mm-hmm. and they're pretty happy with a nine seed because they were a 10, 11, or on the bubble as recent as two, three weeks ago. It almost feels like Maryland, after how hot they started, they're not too thrilled with ending up in this eight, nine matchup. It does put you against the one if you do win this. It's not the greatest seed line situation. And West Virginia playing so well right now, they could lose this game. Yeah, it's, um, they were most people myself included would have had them comfortably as a tournament team, even before the Purdue upset. And then you go ahead and upset Purdue and it's like, okay. And then they went and beat Northwestern after that, another ranked team, five different ranked wins. Right. Um, so they were, they were on that trajectory pretty much all season, which to your point, to your question blows away what the expectation was again, 10th predicted 10th in the big 10 to start the season. And yeah, it's, it's a big 10. That's a little bit different. Michigan, um, doesn't Michigan's, you know, Hunter Dickinson's a great player, uh, all American caliber player. Michigan, Michigan doesn't make it bit of a down year for Michigan state. Um, yeah, they're or, in, but yeah, down year. They're yeah. in, but like, they're not, you know, they're not world beaters. Um, again, Northwestern was your number two team here. Yeah. And Northwestern <laughs> is having, uh, there's one other season like this in Northwestern basketball history from right. when I was covering the game and it was in the 1930s. So that tells you the state <laughs> of, of how that goes, uh, there in Evanston. And 
Um, you know, in, you're not in, almost 100 years old. You, 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 yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I can't. You're uh, not going to sip on some brandy. I, I feel like you have I, some almost 100 year old tendencies, but but no. I do have some. I do have some old tendencies. <laughs> you have some 90 urban. plus year old um, tendencies. You can sip fan on reading some the, urban, fan but, reading the hard copy in the newspaper. But no, George was not covering Northwestern in the 1930s. No, no. Uh, and, and then Indiana, which is interesting. I actually I saw. Um, I was in there. Las another Vegas one of those. This. They almost filled down. It's like everyone predicting them to lose that first round game. And yes. I even actually was covering the NFL combine a few colleagues <laughs> that cover indiana we're all talking about how the season's you know was such a disappointment and they're having discussions thinking like what, what, what are we going to do we're going to move on from this staff and i'm thinking you're a forcing we mean and moving on i get it at indiana but it just was yeah. hard to wrap my mind around covering west virginia and these people are firing a coach as a four seed but that's where you are if you're indiana I, and these are the top dogs of the conference that ended up ahead of maryland yeah I, IU fans are an interesting lot. Um, they are extremely passionate. They travel everywhere. I was uh, actually a spectator. Um, yeah. They're the Notre Dame December- football fan. That's what they are. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was a, I was a spectator in December uh, in Las Vegas when they played Arizona, Okay. which was a top uh, 15 matchup yeah, at yeah, the time. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, build, the MGM Grand Garden Arena was 90 per Arizona's next door arizona is the next state next door to him just drive past the hoover dam and you can get to arizona uh and the and the, right. the arena was 90 percent uh 90 to 95 percent hoosier fans just kind of wild yeah. it's a national um, team yeah it's a national team yeah sure. and, and, and and a lot of them and a lot of people they, they you know obviously basketball is something i said before basketball is religion in indiana uh and and, and they worship it there and, and rightly so with the history and, and everything going on there but to your point and to the people that you talk to uh at the combine there <laughs> Man, after Trace Jackson Davis, who, if Zach Eady wasn't the dominant seven-plus-foot presence he is, Trace Jackson Davis, in my opinion, would be the player of the year. Um, him and Jalen Huchafino, who was born in Pittsburgh, um, the, the freshman, so they've got him for a couple more years. After them, it drops off. It drops off real quick. So, uh, yeah. and if you and, and Maryland in their meeting in College Park, the regular season meeting, they held um, Hood Shafino to, I believe it was one point in the first half and three points overall, but one second half bucket uh, and a foul shot made in the first half. So, uh, if the point guard doesn't get going and they can't get it down to Trace, who does everything on both ends of the floor, guy's a tremendous kid, tremendous player. Um, yeah, Indiana could could run into some trouble, and and I see that being an issue. To your point about Maryland, again, the, the home road disparity, I, I, it's it's beating a, d- a drum here, but they pick off two or three more games, and they're, let's say, a six seed. Yeah, I guess it, the it, point of the question it, is... It, it, if, they, if they won those two final games in the final week right. of the season, which were against, at the time, quote-unquote, low teams, Ohio State on the road, and then Penn right. State on the road, right. they lose at Ohio State, and who makes a run in the big 10 tournament yeah. and Penn state obviously came within a bucket of winning the dang yeah, title. It doesn't look as bad um, now. Right. And, and, and Penn state beats Maryland because they get at a, in a tie game because Hakeem Hart and, and um, Julian or Hakeem Hart and Jameer Young went up for the ball and they couldn't pull down the rebound. And so uh, Penn state right. picked it up and put it in with a half second left and they won the game. So they encountered two teams that were bad in the rankings or bad in the standings that, that went on a run there. But there are there are so many they not they had a seven point lead at Nebraska and lost that in overtime. Okay. Um, they only lost by three on the road at 
Purdue at West Lafayette. So they've had their opportunities to win these road games. And if they did, Mike, uh, we're talking if they if they won one of those two games in the last week, I think they would have been closer to a seven seed. And with three or four more road wins, which were easy to get, in, in my opinion, in this season. Um, they, they would have been, you know, a six or a five, give or take, which obviously them make it. I did not have them making the tournament. They they were kind of a like 16, 17 win team this season, in my opinion, if they could get there. That was like beyond expectations. I don't think anybody had them getting 20 plus wins in Kevin Willard's first season, putting together a roster in, as he describes it, like six weeks, basically, <laughs> from the time yeah. he got there in March to bringing in transfers and solidifying who was going to be there. So uh, it, it's a tremendous accomplishment for Maryland fans. They should be happy. They can they can they can have the expectations, which they do, which is why Mark Turgeon was let go. They had him during the Turgeon, the, the yeah. end of Mark Turgeon's era, and the team didn't live up to that. And so now that's back. The fan base is back. The the, the energy is back. And so you, you've got something to build on here. This may not be the tournament that it turns into a long run for Maryland, in my opinion. Um, but partly due to inexperience, partly due to um, j- just them and how they have struggled shooting, which is uh, as Mountaineer fans and as somebody covering the Mountaineers, the West Virginia people know all too well about the Mountaineers kind of having the same problem. So the teams are a little bit similar in that regard. But yes, this is far and away uh, better than I think uh, most people, myself included, would have thought Maryland could do this season. Yeah, George Gerbo again of the Washington Times as we are previewing West Virginia, Maryland, first round of the 2023 NCAA tournament. Both teams maybe not supposed to be there before the season started, and yet both teams are here. Would it be fair to say, though, that West Virginia is entering this game hot, playing well, playing some of their best basketball they've played all year, starting the last two or three weeks, and maybe that's not the case for Maryland. I know a lot of West Virginia fans are telling me all the time that the second this game was announced, aside from arguing about a rivalry or not, they were excited because they thought Maryland is a very beatable team for West Virginia. If Maryland gets cold and maybe West Virginia has more depth, that if they get healthy, they haven't always been healthy this year. They, they've had Trey Mitchell was in the witness protection program for weeks. Emmett <laughs> Matthews missing time. Eric Stevenson was in and out of the doghouse all year. But now they're building a crew and seeming like they're playing together. That if they play like they've been in the last few weeks, this actually could even be where West Virginia runs Maryland out of the building. You also mentioned Maryland maybe could have the bright lights in their face, and that could be an issue. West Virginia's not that experienced either. When we're talking NCAA tournament, obviously, Eric Stevenson, the now best player and leader of this team, he's never been there before. He got robbed with the Wichita State year because of COVID. His team was good enough mm-hmm. that year, but they didn't get to play. So same thing could happen to West Virginia. They obviously have the experience coaching-wise. But is it fair to maybe say, as somebody who's watched both of these teams, that this is a favorable matchup style-wise and how they've been playing recently for the Mountaineers? Or are you seeing it differently from the other perspective covering Maryland? Uh, I, if I gave a slight edge in terms of hot, I mean, relative term, you know, West Virginia, uh, and again, I'll, I'll put out my, dis- yeah, you got my, destroyed uh, by Kansas. You win the one tournament game, but uh, they were yeah. dribble away I, I, from winning, you know, beating Kansas earlier. Sure. And I'll put out my disclaimer. As you kind of mentioned, I went to both of these schools. I'm an undergraduate uh, at true, West Virginia yes. and my, my master's degree at Maryland. So I know both sides of this probably more than most people right. very well. Um, yeah. West yeah. This team throughout this, and I've told this to people, and this is where, you know, analytics and stuff come in. West Virginia is a net uh, in in the NET, the net rankings, NCAA rankings with your quad wins and everything. West Virginia is a 25. Maryland's a 31. Maryland, for a good chunk of that middle part of the season when they were winning those home games, they were up into the top 20 in the the net rankings. 
uh, and, and now fallen down a little bit. If you visually watch, I again, I visually watch West. I'm a fan of West Virginia basketball. I cover Maryland basketball. If you visually watch West Virginia at yeah. times this season, they don't look like they should be a tournament team, in my opinion. Like it's just like, how in the world is this right. the game? The man, the one that sticks out in my head. Like there's so many of them. Uh, the one that sticks out in my head, the game at home against Baylor uh, around just after New Year's. That was an easily sure. winnable game against a really, really good team and at home in Morgantown, and they and they couldn't figure out. Well, the, uh, the Texas Tech loss before they went on this streak where they've been hot. Now, I actually went on shows and flat said I didn't think they should be in the tournament once they lost that game because right before Correct. it, Eric Stevenson and everyone was talking there saying it's not fair. We have a tougher schedule. Okay, you're playing the worst team in the conference now and you lose and you're at home, so there's no more road conversation. But mm-hmm. then – they turned around and basically made me sound like an idiot because they were then red hot after that. So yeah, yeah. it's been hot it's, and cold, but they have those stains. But then as you mentioned, which they have four top 15 wins in the midst mm-hmm. of everything you're saying as well. It's and, really and hard like to ask yourself like, all right, like, yeah, how, how did they, how did they figure it out? Right. Uh, if you're a West Virginia fan, I, you know, I think the, the biggest thing, you're worried about is what team shows up in Birmingham on Thursday. Is it the one you've seen that, you know, scores less than 30 points in the first half and misses seven of eight shots from the field to start well, the game, say, which Maryland has done from time to time. Say the or best is it, of these two teams show up. Yeah. Hypothetically speaking, say the best version of West Virginia and the best version of Maryland shows up. Then who do you favor? Because the conversation has really been West Virginia playing so much better recently. Maryland did fade a little bit. Usually teams that go on a run in the tournament, and again, I'm not saying that West Virginia is going to the Final Four here, but usually teams that go on a run carry over from being hot at the end of the season unless they go on this conference tournament run and then they're exhausted. The Mountaineers kind of did have that perfect stretch where they're playing well, they're hot, but they didn't have to exhaust themselves. They have been off for a week or so because they didn't go on a long run in the conference tournament. Say you get the best version of West Virginia and then you get the best version of Maryland. Who do you think has the edge then? I guess I'll just ask it bluntly. Who do you think has the edge in terms of this being a more favorable matchup? Because I could see it from both sides, but I, I will tell you, a lot of West Virginia fans think this was a very favorable matchup. And they know, obviously, that this is a hot and cold team. But I guess the thinking is what you alluded to. Maybe Maryland doesn't have as much depth in scoring. And if they go cold early in the game and Eric Stevenson hits a few threes, they could bury Maryland. Yeah, it's it's I would go slight West Virginia and mainly physicality because when Maryland gets in foul trouble, which hasn't been too often this season, but it's very specific. And it's it's Julian Reese who Julian Reese, huge shout out to him because he has gone up against the biggest the Big Ten, in my opinion, the the big the biggest bigs are in the Big Ten or at least the most dominant bigs. I forget the kid from Wisconsin's name, Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis. He's gone down underneath with guys that are taller than him all season, and he's held his own. And a lot of people, you know, were um, skeptical about that in the beginning of the season. And Kevin Willard told us, you know, right before the season started, you know, I believe in Juju, uh, and we're going to, you're going to see something different in him. Juju's his nickname. And (laughs) yeah. And, and, and so, and he has held his own against these people that probably most uh, observers and Big Ten fans wouldn't think would be the case. That being said, if West Virginia can cause issues physically for Maryland 
underneath, I think, West Virginia, because Maryland doesn't go deep is, is kind of the problem. And this will be fixed as Kevin Willard gets into his time at Maryland and gets more people right. in when right. – when, when Reese gets in, Reese gets in foul trouble, and it's you know he'll almost you can almost write the check now that he'll have uh, two minimum two fouls in the first half. That's just how the season has gone. And then he usually commits the third one right after halftime, uh, relatively quick after halftime. And so then what happens? They go to uh, Callum Swanton Roger, who had a really nice dunk against uh, Hunter Dickinson in Michigan, but that's like his highlight for the season. He's a tall guy, but he he doesn't add anything to them. Uh, Ian Martinez uh, and Patrick Emilian have done, you know, excellent work for Maryland off the bench. But this really is a team that revolves around those five starters. Uh, Dante Scott's tremendously physical. Ju- uh, Juju is as well. Jameer Young will take it to the rack on anybody in the country. He's also physical. But when it comes to underneath and they lose Juju there, they lose offensive presence on, on and offensive rebounding on the front end. And then the same thing defensively, because they don't really have anybody to go up against bigs for yeah. West Virginia. You know, I know Mo Wagi is injured, but like, you know, the, right. it's a Bob Huggins roster. Uh, I've been watching Bob Huggins basketball, you know, all my life now, or most of my life uh, since we were students. Uh, and it, it's, it, he's going to have guys that are going to, I, I described it as a stick fight earlier this week. It's, it's going to be a stick fight. Maryland will come. Maryland will hold their own in that regard. They can play physical, but I think West Virginia has the advantage in, in physicality on the, on the flip side of that. Maryland's got the advantage in shooting. Um, when they're on, they they are on, and when that might be off, a surprising thing for people to hear, because a lot of even national people that are thinking West Virginia could maybe go on a run, even I've heard some say they could be an issue for for Bama. It's because they, if West Virginia gets hot shooting wise, and Eric Stevenson actually hits these outside threes, they think West Virginia could maybe ha- have have a feast of it. That's but maybe that's, that's not even fair. the case in this first round matchup. That's fair, but like my in my opinion, I've seen West Virginia not have it click shooting right. wise too many times this season for me to believe in them that that that's my issue with them and at end of game at end of game too if it's yeah. gonna be a close game oh, at oh end of game, but how many how many end of games when you've got you know stats up or whatever and it's like west virginia scoreless for the for the last 358 or george i'm sure go- you saw this <laughs> i would say at least and i'm not even exaggerating here if they would have closed games better and i'm talking about just on shot selection in the final three minutes. And Eric Stevenson's been the best player on this team. He's now the team leader. He's playing really, really well. I've said it. I got heat for it. They wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for him. And a lot of fans don't like him that much. But with all of that said, his mm-hmm. shot selection in the final three minutes, like if this is going to be a close game, it's not that great. He's chucking threes when they're either leading by four or five or say they're down by three or four and there's three and a half minutes left. He's yeah. shooting a Steph Curry three. It's like, that's not what we need right now. That's not yeah. the game. That's not what that team needs. So well, and, if they and, get and into that the- mode, yeah, they, they've lost games in those final three minutes numerous times this year. And if they swung a few of those, they would have not had to worry about the bubble. And, and, and an advantage for Maryland is, is Jameer Young, uh, because you know, West Virginia really doesn't have a true point guard. Um, what, no. what, what what game was it uh, that uh, I think it was Keedy Keedrian Johnson that just dribbled out the they had the ball against Kansas I want to say at home that was the game I'm talking about yeah they won three yeah, out of four they, but they got, they lost the to enti- Kansas in the final second they've got the entire shot clock basically or the on the road in Kansas oh, yeah apologies they yeah, yeah won. At, at Fog Allen yeah right. where they never win 
and they should have won that game, hundred percent. And they're a three away from tying it or whatever it was to tie or win that game. And, and Kedrian Johnson just they just passed the ball and he dribbled he dribbled the yeah. clock. Out. <laughs> a two, a two, a two ties it, a three wins it, and they yeah. had room right through the yeah. floor. They all they need to do was tie the game and then go and, to and OT. No, and nobody right. knew what the, nobody knew what the situation was. Nobody knew what the play was. And like that's yeah. the frustrating yeah side of West Virginia basketball. So I think Maryland has the advantage okay. on 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 the shooting side. I will say that they've had their own issues. It's corrected a little bit. They would especially those road games they would start out cold two of 13 stretches but Willard Kevin Willard has been really masterful with this during the season where he will do the stop the bleeding timeout and they'll come out of the huddle and they'll go on a seven you know seven oh run or something like that and kind of get back in it so they've been able to orchestrate that they are incredibly bad from three they are they're not a good three-point shooting team they will continue to put them up shooters going to shoot um Don Carey who had not been the best from three uh, the other point guard, uh, the other guard uh, earlier this season, he has started to click a little bit. He's not going to blow you off the score sheet, but he'll add in, you know, six to 10 points here that are pretty crucial for them. Uh, and, and the scoring will be pretty, you know, well-rounded. That's kind of a difference I see from, from watching West Virginia. You know, it's Eric Stevenson, you know, Eric Stevenson can drop 27 to 30 a night uh, right. on any given night. Jameer Young can do that, but that's not his forte. It's, it's Jameer's got, you know, 16 points and Juju Reese has 12 points and Dante Scott's got, you know, in the, in the big 10 game, Dante Jameer Young had a cold night. Dante Scott had 20 or in 16 in the first half. Um, Hakeem Hart can go off for 17. So it's, it's really, there's not one, everything goes through young and he's kind of the heartbeat of the scoring uh, and, and heartbeat of the engine, but it's not uh, it's not a team that relies on one person in particular. And they were at last check and I haven't checked in the last uh, since the Big Ten tournament started. They were uh, either 13th or 12th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten in terms of three point shooting. They're not good at three point shooting. Shooting percentage kind of hovers around in the 40 percent range. But then yeah. they go off against Purdue, they shot 80-some percent in the first half against Purdue and season high 63, I think it was 63% season high against Purdue. So they can do it. It's just yeah. a matter of of getting the right looks and, and not rushing shots. In contrast to West Virginia, what we just talked about, they're not a team that's going to run the shot clock down to three and then put up a shot. They're going to they're going to find the look and and it's going to be quick because that's it's a it's Kevin Willard's offense is very fast paced and up tempo and they, they run the floor both ways and so they he expects that out of them and they've gradually transitioned into how he likes that offense run this season. George Gerbo again from the Washington Times. We're talking West Virginia, Maryland here. First round preview of the NCAA tournament. And you keep bringing up Purdue. That's actually a game that I'd recommend for West Virginia or Maryland fans to watch prior to this because they both played Purdue very tough. And West Virginia played Purdue before everyone realized, okay, this could be a Final Four, one of the better teams in the country. Maryland played them at a different point in the year. Maybe people are more down on Purdue now than when West Virginia played them, but they both played them. They played one of the better players in the country and one of the better teams in the country, and they both played them similarly. So mm-hmm. that, and really these two teams are kind of similar in a way. I think maybe to be fair to the conversation about West Virginia being a better shooting team or could be a better shooting team, as you're saying, it probably does go to three point percentage. And as you know, in basketball these days, shooting goes a lot to what you do from three. Like, if you're just a jump shooter these days in the NBA, you're basically off a team. So it is about three. If West Virginia gets hot from three, maybe that's the edge that they would have. Who knows? And I will say to your to your Milwaukee point of him now being injured, obviously, that did kind of force West Virginia to change the team. 
And I know there are a lot of people, including actually a colleague of mine that, that covers the team on a beat and will, will be out there in Birmingham, Ethan Bach. He truly believes that once this team was forced to go small because Milwaukee was hurt, that's why they got hot. And that's why they're better than they were earlier in the season. That a small ball version of West Virginia, which is not normally how Huggins goes, is mm-hmm. better. If they bring that to the table, it might not be what you're used to of, say, Press Virginia when these teams met 10 years ago. I mean, this is a little different than what Huggins had in the past. This is more of a small ball type of team, a shooting team, of course. He gets frustrated and fans get frustrated on the amount of turnovers this team gives up. So if they do that, if they have another 20-plus turnover game, Maryland could certainly have a major edge there. Usually in losses for West Virginia for the Maryland fan, they're usually turning it over 20 plus times. And yeah. when West Virginia turns it over around 15 or under, and Eric Stevenson gives you 20 plus, and then usually somebody else joins him in scoring, that's when they win. So you can kind of see how the game unfolds, but they've even had wins where Trey Mitchell was totally not really relevant in the, the road game at Iowa State, which is arguably the biggest win of the season. So They've had wins that don't make sense as well, and so is Maryland, so we'll see about this game. Quickly, as we round things out, though, we talk so much about the offense, and we'll get a prediction here before we close, and I have one opinion question that I do want to ask you as Mm -hmm. well about how college basketball has kind of been this year because you brought it up earlier with the net rankings, computer rankings. That's what got West Virginia in this tournament, so it's relevant to the Mountaineers, really. They, They don't have the record for it. They don't have the record historically for it. That's why some are mad about it. But the way fifth, basketball fifth, is evaluated now, schedule in America for West right, Virginia, right. I so we'll, so, right. Yeah. So fifth toughest schedule, seven Big Twelve teams, back to back years, a Big Twelve team Stupid is represented as a national yeah. champion. Baylor and Kansas, Kansas the defending people think they could do it again. So they've had such a hard schedule. You play Kansas, it feels like every other week. <laughs> you have such a hard schedule. That's why they're kind of getting the mulligan. They've actually moved up in the rankings, computer rankings after losing. So that's a different ball of wax for West Virginia this year than even Maryland in a major conference because the Big 12 has been so tough. But outside of offense, because it sounds like, just correct me if I'm wrong, if you had to give a checkbox, you would give Maryland the checkbox offensively. Yes. Okay. Who Maybe, gets because the Because check- I've, watched, I've, watched, I've watched West Virginia not be able to score points too many times this all, season. All right. So well, who, who, they can. Who, they can, but I've seen it not happen too many times. True, Owen, although – you have when to West, figure West Virginia has West Virginia to score at least 70. Up, right. West Virginia has to score right. at least 70 to win, basically. Like, that's their number. Right. Maryland wins games in the 60s relatively frequently, but right. because of their defense holding other teams down at the same time, West Virginia does not win games if they are scoring in, in the 60-point range. Oh, 100%. No, no. If they, if, yeah, 100%. They have to be clicking. They have to be hitting shots because the shot selection is just not going to be good. And if they hit them, yeah. great. If they don't hit them, then it's going to be a problem. And you mentioned Maryland foul trouble. It goes back to these teams being so similar that it could be – a really, really fun matchup to kick off Thursday, by the way. It, because yeah, they are so it, it's similar. about two, you have two a lot evenly of common, teams, match teams as you get in, the, get in the whole tournament, honestly. Really? And both, first of them, round matchup. both of them may have a shot against Bama. So this is an interesting situation, even though you have the number one overall seed in there. But yeah, these are similar teams because it even connects to foul trouble. You said if Maryland gets mm-hmm. in foul trouble, they're going to they're gonna then have a problem and they, and they could really lose to West Virginia. Well, again, West, yeah. West Virginia has had foul trouble as well. And it actually goes back to earlier in the season. You mentioned Bob Huggins and kind of the physicality. I don't know if you were aware of this, but he actually told us in the media, one of the media sessions, that the whole bully ball mentality that Eric Stevenson had been promoting that he wants, and that's why he came to West Virginia. He wanted to handle that under Bob Huggins. He talked about growing up watching clips of the bad boy Pistons. Like, that's what Eric Stevenson wants to be. 
Huggins said that that would be a disaster and we would we would be in so much foul trouble. Like that mentality he wanted to get away from. So they had a lot of foul trouble earlier in the season. It did kind of go away, but he actually doesn't want them to be a typical Huggins team that gets you physical, that Deshaun mm-hmm. Butler and those teams sure. and Javon Carter, the Sweet 16 runs, where they were doing it physically and beating you down, press Virginia, the Maryland fans are used to from the previous matchup. He wants that gone because he thinks that gets them in foul trouble and then could lose them games, and it has this year. So that'll be interesting. Again, it will be interesting, as you said. What team shows up? Is it small ball? Yeah. Do they play physical? Do they get in foul trouble early? Do they hit shots early? Do they play West, well West down West Virginia's the home game against Iowa State, over? They, were calling a, they were calling a foul every, like, 40 seconds at Iowa State. And that's, that's what Huggins <laughs> that's was alluding to, and, and he basically was trying to say it's because the Big 12 is not going to give you the favorable calls, obviously, that if you do – old school Huggins ball that you dreamed of playing under, it's going to be a problem in 2023 because you're going to have fouls all day, which has happened in some of the losses. So that could occur too. But if we move to defense, then where do you give the box defensively? I'm I'll I'll go Maryland here again, um, just because it, it is, it is locked down very much. So in, in this last part of the season, uh, they're, Last 16 games, in, in their last 16 games, Mar- on average, uh, 60 points a game, Maryland's allowing. And they held Purdue to uh, keep, you know, 54, um, which was uh, their season low this year in that game uh, in, in College Park. Um, the, the, the way they've done it repeatedly in these games, maybe that's a product of the Big, Big Ten a little bit, which I'm kind of curious to see. These really right. are two styles kind of going against each other. It's Big 12 basketball, which... I watch very painstakingly from afar um, and try to see like knowing West Virginia needs to score. I think West Virginia is 0 and 8 in in games where they don't score more than uh, where they don't score at least 70 points. So uh, that it it comes down to that. It's West Virginia is not going to win a game against Maryland um 63 to 58 that ain't that ain't gonna right. be the game if west virginia <laughs> wins it's yeah if west virginia wins it's gonna be 75 yeah. to to 65 the you know it's west if west virginia wins i don't think it's close to, I'll, put, I'll tell you that much i think i think i think west virginia uh it, i think it, that's it, why some west virginia fans think this is a people, good match yes. they have yeah they have the ability to potentially run maryland oh, yeah. out of the gym they have they have, the, they have the ability when, when eric's well. when yeah. when eric stevenson is clicking and when katie johnson is clicking um and and not dribbling the ball uh, not dribbling the clock out uh they can yeah they can put the, the foot down and get into the 70s which they're going to need to do to win and if they do that that means maryland hasn't had a good day offensively shooting wise because just the way the rhythm of the big 10 is it doesn't require maryland to have to go out and put up 70 80 points yeah. uh, a game so if yeah if that's the case then yeah west virginia if they're if they're to win it's going to be an eight plus point win. And, and I still believe uh, as we talk here, West Virginia is the favored uh, team, according to odds makers by one and a half to two and a half points, depending on who you talk to. So yeah. Uh, yeah. If Maryland's to win this game, it's not, it's not going to be um, them, them blowing a team uh, with a high number. They could blow a team out, but it's going to be because they've held them into the fifties in scoring, which it can do with West Virginia, especially when the Mountaineers go out and put up 23 or 27 points in the first half from time to time. Uh, and then, and then Maryland can come back and win a game 63 to, to 52. I can see that happening. If West Virginia is to win, it's there. It's because they are scoring the ball. I don't see West Virginia winning a close game in the fifties or sixties here. If they do, I will be immensely surprised. I really will. 
Okay. Well, things that George has predicted has the opposite has happened many times in the past. So <laughs> I knew it. I, I knew almost am willing. I knew I, I'm almost that. willing to put money down that it's like a oh, WVU 62-58 victory somehow. If there you, you went to rebounding, then because this has been an interesting topic for West Virginia most of the season. Huggins teams, he's always about rebounding. He went into this season talking about how. We're not a great rebounding team. We got to at least compete rebounding wise in order for us to win. They were so bad rebounding a year ago. I don't think they won one rebounding battle the whole season. That's how frustrated he was. But they've competed. But there's also been games where they competed in rebounding and Huggins was still down on the effort. Like he has really a high bar for this team rebounding wise. I think it's because of the shot selection is not good. So they need to increase and gain as many possessions as they could or stop the opponent. Who do you give the edge here rebounding wise? That's Which yeah. That's is, that's an that's an easy West Virginia. Just here. yeah, okay. easy to West Virginia because of of the Mountaineer size. West Virginia's got bigger players uh, to to get underneath on both on both ends of the floor. Both, they haven't um, won the rebounding battle a lot this year, though. That's interesting. Then no. for them to be so easy of you to pick them Ju- for Ju- this game. That's maybe Ju- why Juju Reese. Juju Reese is great at it for for Maryland. Akeem Hart and Dante get in there. Those are your forwards, but. Again, if okay. you know, and, and and Willard will go to his rotations typically around the twelve-minute mark of the first half or so, and and you'll see Patrick Amillion and uh, Ian Martinez, maybe Jahari Long come in. Um, it's it's what Maryland's going to be undersized in pretty much every against every opponent they play. They were throughout the Big Ten schedule; they were able to overcome that with defense. And we we've talked about the press here um, that Maryland utilized that in the half court pretty well at times it's not it's not a constant thing like bob huggins did back in those, those yeah could they bring days. press virginia to west virginia who doesn't do the press yes. anymore that would be hilarious oh yes yeah yeah no i expect them expect maryland at times to utilize the press it's not going to be all out for 60 or for all out for 40 WVU minutes does but not press any longer so it'll be correct, the opponent doing correct. it to them so so yeah maryland has utilized it with pretty good success they used it uh, with good success against purdue uh and indiana uh at home so that's I'd like I think Willard's going to be able to 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 utilize that in this game, but no. In terms of just overall size and who I think is going to win the battle on the boards, that's I would give that to West Virginia just because Maryland okay. doesn't go deep uh, in the bigs. So if Maryland gets the rebound, it's because of toughness, it's because it's because of tenacity, but it's not because they're outsizing anybody. And again, this is a matchup of two relatively equal teams that kind of got here in similar fashion. George Gerber of the Washington Times joining me here at WV Sports Now as we are previewing West Virginia, Maryland, first round of the 2023 NCAA tournament, the 8-9 matchup with the winner getting the number one overall seed in Alabama. Now, George, I do want to ask you this, and this is a topic that has connected itself to West Virginia really more than any other program in the country. West Virginia is a team this year that wasn't expected to do much before the season started, but they did retool the entire roster. They then got out to such a hot start that people thought, okay, this is a really good team. Some of the national media were saying this could be a top four seed. Look how good they are. They get in a conference play and they were so, so bad. And then it gets excused in a way because the same people and the computer rankings, the net rankings, which are only a few years old now, Mm. all say that, okay, we're trying to evaluate teams not by their record, but how good they really are. Because as you know, records sometimes can be they're playing. Yeah, and how they're playing. Yeah. So record can be off of luck. Record can be off of getting a team on a down night. Record can be off of you're playing a lot of teams that aren't that great. Or record can be because you're playing a lot of teams that are really, really good. If we're just doing it wins and losses here, College of Charleston should be the top seed overall. Mm. We're, 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 <laughs> so that's not Florida the case. <laughs> yeah, you're 
San Diego State and those mm-hmm. those teams, teams that stack wins. That yeah, Houston, they're a number one mm-hmm. seed, but not number one overall, and they have all those wins. Why? They're a mid major right now before they get in the Big Twelve. So a lot of this this year, especially, has been about strength of schedule and the computers being involved. And West Virginia has lost games and actually moved up in computer rankings. There have been other teams that have won more games and even after victories have moved down in computer rankings. And to simplify all of this, because it sometimes it's hard to understand, honestly, what they're basically do, trying to do, it's the same as if we watch a game or anyone watches a game out there. If you watch a team play, and then after the game's over, you say to yourself, man, they aren't as good as I thought they were. Even if they won, like say they were supposed to win by 20 points, but they win by four, the net rankings, computer rankings, that's where they're going to come in and say, you won, but I don't care. You didn't impress me. You're going down. Whereas West Virginia, when they lost in the final dribble, even though they messed it up against Kansas on the road, Kansas ranked number three in the country at the time. That was a conference game on the road. The computer rankings, they all said, yeah, you lost, but wow, number three team in the country. They just were horrible a week earlier, and now they're playing right with Kansas. Bill Self says they got to be in the tournament. We're moving them up in the computer rankings. That's kind of how the season has been. What are your thoughts on how we ventured in terms of evaluating these teams, the committee, and getting the NCAA tournament field set? So much relying on strength of schedule, so much relying on computer rankings. I test still involved as well. Does this need adjusted? Going too much in one way, going too much in the other way? And did West Virginia earn their right in this field or because of their record, regardless of how tough the schedule should they not even be here? Because there are some people that feel like 14 losses, I don't care what happened. Maryland had 12, but that's not kind of a bar that you don't want to go above. You lose 14 times, you just can't be there, regardless of who you're playing. But the way they fielded this tournament this year is completely different than really any other year. It really was reliant on a mulligan for strength of schedule and the computer rankings being a major factor here more than any other year. What are your thoughts on how they did it? Yeah, if you're if you're a you know an old school fan, when I say old school, I mean within the last 20 years of the NCAA tournament, you kind of like seeing, oh, here's that team that made a run in its conference tournament and played its way in somehow. Um, I would I would offer to you that Penn State was already in this tournament before they Maybe. made their way to the final on Sunday in Indianapolis. Um, they had played good enough basketball this season. Um, and Jalen Pickett's a, a tremendously talented. I think uh, Lamarty had him on the last four out before that run, though. They were we're sure. right in the bubble, so right in the yeah. you could argue so, either yeah. way. So that yeah. yeah, literally the firm of the bubble. But like they right. had done, even with the loss, and the, they were a tournament team, regardless to me, regardless of what they did in the NCAA tournament. And that means sure. that we're getting a better picture of what these teams are doing, and specifically who they're doing it against. So if you're you know racking up wins against a lot of you know, less than uh, ideal non-conference opponents that that's out the window. We've kind of emphasized it uh, in basketball more. So Uh, you and I've had this conversation uh, plenty of times about football, about how it's just get, get, get to the number, get to 12, get to undefeated. And it doesn't matter who you beat sometimes in basketball. It's not the case. You've got to, you've got to play and shout out to West Virginia because it's, it's a step up for the Mountaineers from playing in, uh, an invitation, uh, invitational in the Bahamas or somewhere with four teams to go in and play in the Phil Knight in in right. Portland, which yeah. much That's better. That's where they like, played. Was surprised Purdue. to me. I'm like, oh, right. 
I'm like, yeah. oh, West Virginia is actually playing legit yeah. early season competition. I think those games matter. They did for Maryland in beating St. Louis, who was uh, an excellent team, a tournament team last year, and beating Miami, who yeah. was an Elite Eight team last year, surprisingly. And then they come out this year and they win the ACC regular season title. So uh, playing those those games in the early season, specifically those tournaments, for West Virginia to go out there, Oregon's a far away. It's not playing in Orlando. West Virginia's played tournaments. I can't name the names, but I remember them playing in Orlando. I remember them playing in the Bahamas, uh, yeah. playing those tournaments around in November, around Thanksgiving. For them to go out to the Phil Knight and play those games they did out there um, is a testament to Bob Huggins and everybody realizing that we've got to get some you know teams here on the schedule, even with our conference being the toughest conference in the country. They went on the road. That. They went on the road and played Xavier, which was an emotional game for Huggins. It was his first time back there in 20 back years in, since leaving Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, that was, I'll tell you even, you know, I know things about what happened at that game and what that family felt that I won't say here on the show, but play agreeing to play that game was a lot for not only West Virginia, but the Huggins family. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what they dealt with there and they should have won it. They didn't win it, but the games you're talking about, and this goes to the conversation, those games are the two out are the two non-conference losses before they got in the conference schedule. They lost to Purdue. Eventually they did win a couple in the, the Phil Knight, And then they, they lose that game on the road to Xavier. They did beat Auburn, which was one of those four top 15 wins. It was at home though. So out of conference schedule, that's where you get fifth toughest in the country. That's three yeah. ranked out of conference teams. And then you're in the toughest conference in the country. We can talk all day that maybe it's too tough, but that conversation that exists in football where you don't want to make a schedule too tough, it didn't become a problem in basketball because they still got in because of the computer rankings. So it benefited you there. I guess the devil's advocate on this would be though. It does make it harder on mid majors and it's fair because strength of schedule got to be a factor here for me, but it makes it harder on mid majors. And as you talked about, you might have a less likelihood to see as often of a VCU, a George Mason, those a Butler, those Cinderella stories because their seed lines are going to be so bad if they get in at all because well, yeah, and, and it's not going to be good. So they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt against and, and it limits the opportunity the for power a second. Five teams. It, yeah, it, it it limits a little bit the opportunity for a second mid major. So if you you've got a team the runner up in the conference you, is not getting correct. In yeah, right. and and so if you're you know like Howard for example, um, sixteen seed, but they they won their conference this year. They're in the tournament, DC uh, based college. Um, HBCU for the first time in 30 some years, they won the regular season tournament. If they lost their conference or they won the regular season. They lost the conference tournament. They're not in, you know? Right. Um, so, so it takes that away for teams that if you don't dominate VCU is another one. Uh, if you don't dominate the, your conference tournament, you're, there's going to be very little wiggle room or opportunity for you to, to the flip side of that. Yeah. Maybe you go one or two teams, too deep I, I you know for example Oklahoma State of course was you know first team out uh, of the tournament uh it, it, from the Big 12 Rutgers was another team that Rutgers to me again you know we, we don't take the eye test we do but not as much as the numbers anymore Rutgers played really good basketball um yeah early part of this season and they just they just kind of lost some steam toward the end of the season but if you come to me in January I would have told you yeah Rutgers is going to make the NCAA tournament uh, and, and that wasn't obviously the case. So uh, you go very deep in the Big 12 with only 10 teams, seven of them get in, uh, and, and you go very deep in, in the Big uh, in the Big 10 too, so uh, in a 14-team league. So it's I, – I, the, the teams that got in are are deserving of it, and I, I, I support the, the net rankings and actually ranking these opponents. We should do it in football, honest to God. Quad one, uh, you know, quad one, quad two, and everything, and, and figuring out, hey – if, 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 if you have bad losses, it's going to ding you. 
If you've got good wins, no matter what time of the season you do them, it's going to help you. So you don't in, in football. We in, in, I keep going back right. to football for the comparison, which really isn't apples to apples. But right. you know, if if you if you lose uh, in in you know week twelve, it, it's going to hurt you as opposed to losing in week one and winning 100%. the rest of your games. Hundred percent. So, yeah, hundred percent. I I, 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 I I appreciate this kind of taking in the full body of work and beating who you yeah. beat when you beat them. If they were ranked and they fell off, too bad. They were ranked. People thought they were good enough to be one of the top 25 teams in the country at the time you beat them. That's a ranked win. Whether yeah, the reason why they're they not ranked better. anymore is because you beat them. That happened, to, yeah. again, a bunch of teams that West Virginia West, did beat West, in, in terms of quality West, wins. And, West and I also think by, by, tw- by 20 plus points, and Pitt ends up, you know, nearly uh, playing their way into an ACC ch- uh, championship game. Yeah, and, but, 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 they, but they end up in the first four, whereas West Virginia gets the nine seed, and they had a better yeah. record, and, and Pitt sluggish down the stretch, maybe changed the course there, but that is all part of the debate, of course, in our region, that Pitt had a better record. They were better in their conference, but yeah. Pitt, they Pitt, didn't. Pitt is they don't have, we'll go they don't have the quality wins. Small, small side of Pitt, and I'll, and I'll tie it back to football again. When Pitt played Wake Forest, uh, in the ACC championship game in football with Kenny Pickett as the quarterback, kind of a down. Da- I'm not taking anything away from him. Kind of a down year for ACC football that year. Same thing this year. It, it's it's a down year. North Carolina was the preseason number one. They're going to miss the tournament. It's the first time that's ever happened for a preseason number one to miss the tournament the next year. Uh, Duke in in John Shire's first year, they're a solid team, but they're not world beaters. Um, and, and UVA for as good as they've been in recent years, yeah, they're, they're now just back in the tournament, uh, for the first time in three years. So it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a different year in, in the ACC. Louisville obviously was terrible. A lot of other teams were, were terrible <laughs> yeah, and were. not as you usually expect from the ACC. So yeah, terrible is not even the word actually. And I was it's actually at a press word, conference yeah. earlier in the season when Huggins, I think it was when they played Moorhead state, he literally said to us, well, you know, this team just beat, beat Louisville. So like us running out of the gym should be really impressive. I'm actually kind of impressed with my team. And then he literally looked down at a paper or someone handed him something. And he was like, wow, like Louisville lost again. Like maybe, maybe I don't know how to evaluate my team yet. He made some joke <laughs> because Louisville, he it like light bulb went off for Huggins. Like, wow, Louisville is not good. Like I cannot use them anymore yeah. in press conferences. Um, so that right. was just kind of funny to me. Yeah. And, and people thought Duke was a down team this year. So Duke in a down year wins the conference tournament. Is what you're mm-hmm. telling me. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, so down here they're putting a ring on their finger. But so it's been that kind of weird year, and I do think one of the benefits of having the NET rankings, or at least taking strength of schedule into so much consideration, is that the problem with college football, in a way, is if you make the schedule too tough, obviously it's too hard on you. If you make it too easy, you get like a UCF, then you get penalized and you don't get in. But if you make it too tough. You're not you're not going to get enough victories. You do need to have a certain record to get in the playoff, whether it's four or going to be eight now. Meaning, if you're a team that's going to have so many teams in your conference that give you quality games like Alabama, there's no motivation for you unless you're doing a charity service to schedule an out-of-conference prime time game against Texas, game against Notre Dame. Those games that they're trying to put on the schedule, they don't have to. They really shouldn't even do it. But having the NET rankings in there now and doing it the way college basketball is doing it, as you're saying, they're basically saying this is going to help TV. West Virginia, we're complimenting you for scheduling tough games. We'll put them on prime time. You might not win them, but it will not hurt you in terms of getting the NCAA tournament as long as you get enough of the rest of the crap. So they're giving them mulligan games. Really, it's almost like they're treating it like, okay, you want to play at a conference, Purdue, who we think is a Final Four team, we're going to kind of almost give it to you as an exhibition game. It'll annoy some fans, but it's almost like a test from the committee. 
How do you play? If you compete, even if you lose, we almost check it as a W for West Virginia, which is hard for people to take because if you don't win it, people are going to say, how can I be happy? But that is kind of what they're doing. They're, they're, they're trying to incentivize teams to schedule tough Dude, games that's... out of conference mm-hmm. because it will not kill them like it would in college football. So George Gerbo here of the Washington Times, we wrap things up here. Uh, I got to get your prediction. Uh, who do you who do you think is going to win this game? Who do you think is going to going to get into that second round and likely face Alabama, or we can get really crazy? But what do you what who do you think is going to win this game? And then what's the score? I it's tough. Um, it is. I am, tough. I'm. That's very tough. We've got too many. The number of and this will never have, happen, uh... ladies and gentlemen. So it's <laughs> It's not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As Mike knows, yeah, my predictions, you know, don't do not take them to the bank. Um, I, I've watched both of these teams or listened to both of these teams, uh, all season covering one and watching the other one when I can. And West Virginia and Maryland played a lot of games similar, so I see all of your tweets and Ethan's tweets in my timeline <laughs> as I'm churning out mine. Don't, don't uh, check the replies, don't check the replies simultaneously. <laughs> um, so I, I've got to go, you know. Uh, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And I expect the bad version of West Virginia shooting wise to show. I can't shake it, Mike. I've seen uh, too many times this season and I, and I want to like compartmentalize and say, well, that was the big 12. And now it's got to be easier because they're playing, you know, teams that haven't played is, and and, and as as I said, during this program, I fully credit West Virginia as being the more physical team because they played a more physical schedule and they've got more physical guys and they got bigger guys. But I think the, the ugly, no points for nine minutes and 46 seconds, West Virginia shows up in this game. Um, And, and I think Maryland wins it. I will, I will, okay. and, and Maryland's good side because Maryland sands those two games against the two hottest teams into the Big Ten tournament or the two teams in, in, in Chicago that played the hottest, both Ohio State and Penn State. And Ohio State was ranked at some, at one point. Um, Maryland had been playing really, really good basketball in terms of their shooting. They had not started games cold like they had done earlier in this season. They had found a little bit more of a rhythm in, in terms of their scoring and just haven't gone cold. And then they shut down and it and ends up being a loss. So I will go. I, I, I think Maryland will continue to find that. Um, I'll give, I'll, I'll say Jameer Young shakes off what uh, his is kind of like a little bit diminished performance he had in the big 10 tournament. I think Jameer Young will score 20 and I think Maryland will win 73 to 60. Maryland. Okay, I was, I, I was gonna say I was wondering where you went with West Virginia score because you got Maryland over seventy. If, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think Maryland gets into the seventies, and I think West Virginia struggles in the first half with the shooting. Um, it's not it's not the John Beeline teams I watched that really couldn't miss. It's not uh, the early Huggins teams that twenty ten team. I, you know, been talking about the t- team I got to cover uh, in the Final Four when I was a, a student uh, at WVU. So. Um, got fond memories of it uh, and everything, but this this isn't a team that it's a team that can shoot like that, but it's a team that doesn't shoot like that consistent consistently, and that's what I believe is going to be the difference. Maryland will shoot more consistently than West Virginia does, and that will be the difference in this. And Maryland's defense too, which we talked a little bit about. Those will be the the differences in this game. Um, so I'll take Maryland and and I'll take them by double digits. Okay. So you should put money on that if you're that confident then, because that would be beating the spread and then some. So you'd be you, you'd be making some cash if that was exactly how yeah. that happens based on what we're getting to the prediction. If, 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 if West if West Virginia wins, it's gonna it's they, they've got they've got to they're gonna if West Virginia wins, they blow Maryland out. 
And if Maryland wins, I think Maryland wins because West Virginia can't score. That's it's really what it comes down to. I cannot yeah. shake what okay. my eyes have shown me all season that this team just hey, okay. if they I, have yeah. their if, if they if they come out and have their good game, shout out to the Mountaineers. <laughs> you know my pers- my personal side. I win any I win I win either way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I've seen West Virginia not been able to to do the they do the Jekyll and Hyde thing too much. They 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 will go cold. Uh, yeah. and go cold for seven to nine minutes at a time. And it's freaking ridiculous if you're well, a fan. You as, I, as I've said all year, literally no result will surprise me with West Virginia. Them winning by 20, <laughs> them losing by 20. Eric Stevenson could score 30. He also could foul out and fight a ref. None of that would surprise me. So <laughs> any of these options could happen. And if any of these yeah, options good. happen... I'm not going to be surprised. <laughs> side tangential point there. Like, you know, shout out to Eric Stevenson, but there is like, if, if something gets in his head, he'll do that. And that's a liability at that point. Well, and it, again, it, it, and we have seen that he single-handedly cost them against Oklahoma state against Kansas state. Part of the skid earlier in the season was a lot of him in the doghouse. There's a lot about that progression that I'm not even sure we fully know because Huggins dropped a bomb at the end of the season. When he talked about that Eric Stevenson is the leader of this team again, he literally said, the quote was, and now he's really a good teammate. And Ethan and I looked at each other and we're like, so what happened in the locker room? Like, was he not a good teammate months ago? I know he missed a couple of shots, but like the players all said they were standing by him. They seem like they're getting along. I know they're friends. I see him around campus. Like, what do you mean? So there might, again, Eric Stevenson's season has kind of been a movie, let alone these yes. teams. Oh, yes, yes. And him even getting there. there was, Mike, there was a point in time that I thought he, he was, was going to either team. leave the program or get kicked out of the program. Like, there there was a point in time the season's like, well, damn, they're not going to have Stevenson for the rest of the year because he's either going to leave by his own choice and be like, I'm transferring right. out of here, I can't take it, or uh, Huggins was just going to kick him off the off the team. Yeah, like, I mean, I, he's, I a, he's, a, he's a 50-year senior. He would have nowhere else to go. But I'm sure. But but yeah no I mean and, and I will also say that he that he that he took the Jose Perez news of him not getting his appeal approved the hardest Eric Stevenson every day on Twitter was free Jose to the point that I know for sure he was asked to calm down because it was like it was in his head that if yeah. Jose is not here I can't play but Eric Stevenson I, I will say this for Maryland fans as, as we close up shop on this show win or lose I would recommend watching Eric Stevenson, whether he's hitting shots or not, because he does have the ability. There's always a player, if a team makes a run, that'll become a household name. If West Virginia wins this or if they beat Alabama, if if they make a run, Eric Stevenson is going to become a household name player. He's going to score 25-plus in all these games. You're going to see him talking. He's going to be doing this, like, to the opponent. He's not going to be getting in bad foul trouble, but he'll still get fouls. He will try to probably elbow you, and then you'll get the call, and he won't, and then he'll laugh at you. Like, that's the Eric Stevenson that he wants to bring, and it's a possibility he could be there, and if it's there, that is really yes. entertaining basketball. So Eric Stevenson's could, got some bad crazy. He's got Eric Stevenson's got some bad crazy, but he's got some good crazy, and when the yeah, good crazy a, is clicking, Maryland hasn't seen anything like that he, this he, season. Yeah, he's the type of player that you can just tell, even though he really, really frustrates Bob Huggins that Bob Huggins secretly loves the hell out of him <laughs> because th- th- they they are very similar personality. Eric Stevenson has been up front and, and has said that he wishes he had his whole college career under Hugg- Huggins. 
If he would have yeah. known it was going to be like this and it's not always been good for him, he would have been there years ago. So Huggins convinced him to come to finally get into a tournament to be the leader of this team. He proclaimed himself the leader of the team. And then Huggins all of a sudden midseason was saying, I'm looking for leaders because my leader is out here losing games for us. And then he, you got to give credit to Eric Stevenson to get it back where now we're saying he could be the best player and now he's a leader of the team and now he's who Maryland got to watch for after being in the doghouse two months ago. That's actually a credit to him. I mean, we're talking about a mm -hmm. 22-year-old. He's matured a lot in two months. So I'm not assuming he's all of a sudden going to get back to where he was in January, but you never know. I do think West Virginia wins this game if we see who we've been seeing. And I've watched them closer than I've watched Maryland, obviously. But mm -hmm. I'm going to pick West Virginia to win this game. I'm going to go Mar I'm going to go West Virginia 73. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give maybe the same point total. I'm going to give like seven anywhere 72 to 74 range. I'll go se I'm going to go final 72 to 64 maybe. Okay. Um mm -hmm. a comfortable win but not in any way a blowout cuz yeah. they're just going to Maryland will score points at the end even though West Virginia feels it'll be comfortable. I think West Virginia will win this game. Either way, I do think this is big for them to be there with how the season has kind of unfolded, but it'll this is again for a noon Thursday, kicking off after starts the first the tournament. Four. Start, starts yeah. the first round of the tournament. This, is, this has a lot of potential to be a very entertaining game. And I also feel, and I even said this to them actually on their media Zoom, that for on guys. CBS, you got the big network. Well, I'm saying for guys that are NBA guys, like Charles Barkley admits, mm -hmm. he said mm -hmm. it to us. I don't watch college basketball until February yeah. because I'm yeah. covering the NBA. I told him, you're going to love watching Eric Stevenson. Win or lose, he's going to be entertaining to NBA guys because mm -hmm. he kind of plays that 90s NBA basketball with Pro the ability style. to hit cheese, mm -hmm. with the ability to hit threes. So, yeah, this is an intriguing matchup. Nonetheless, it could go either way. These teams are similar. Uh, maybe it could go off the rails for either one of these teams. Um, <laughs> it definitely can go off the rails for either one of these teams. They, we, could go, we could go out. They both they both start like, you know, one of 13 yeah. from the floor, and we're at like nine to seven uh, at the first uh, media timeout or something. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it could be. Um, and also, I think who gets in foul trouble early could really be a problem here because Huggins has been pretty prone to handle lineups differently on the road. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is neutral site than at home. So West Virginia's in foul trouble in the first half when they're on the road. He'll sit, Eric, for like five minutes. That's when Maryland could really catch up and build a lead yeah. or come back in a game. And I'm sure they're going to try to get Eric in foul trouble because they're going to hear all this and know all this and be like, let me just mm -hmm. talk smack about his mother and try to get yeah. a problem going here because um, it, it could happen. So mm -hmm. we'll see who gets in foul trouble early and how this game unravels. But I'm going West Virginia. I cover West Virginia. You're going Maryland. You cover Maryland. Kind of chalk, I guess. Uh, but it's an 8-9 matchup, so it could go either way. West Virginia, yeah, it's Maryland. Really, it's really close. In, in Birmingham with the winner, you would imagine, getting the number one overall seed in Bama, who many think is vulnerable for either team. So we will see if either could make a run. We will see what happens. Nonetheless, uh, it is March. The madness is upon us. And I am pretty confident that West Virginia and Maryland, regardless of the result, they are going to deliver on some madness. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.